Welcome back to season two of Conversations with Coley podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Miller, the author of the book series, A through Z Guide to Raising a Good Human, a book series that I wrote to start the communication process between parents and children, starting from birth and why conversation is important. This year, I want to invite you to join me and my guests as we talk about all the subjects and topics that we hear about in everyday life, like human trafficking, grief, relationships, near-death experiences, and all the insights that we can learn from these subjects and topics, and how to look at things from both sides of the spectrum without using bias. Join me and my guests this season as we heat up the summer and the airwaves with our hot topics and we start opening the doors and shaking out the rugs that we have been carrying with us through generations to truly be the change. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Coley. Today I'm talking with Nicole Magic. Nicole is a metaphysical empowerment speaker. We are diving into what near-death experiences are, Nicole's personal experience, and how that changed her life. Welcome, Nicole. Ah, thank you for having me, Nicole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the Nicole episode, we'll say. Right. Um, Before we start, though, I always do an icebreaker question. So this one I created for you. If you could live in a certain era other than the present day, which would you choose? Ooh, this is a good one because there are so many different things. But I think I I would just say um, I would want to live when Nikola Tesla was alive and be friends with him so that I could have the most interesting conversations ever. (laughs) Yeah. I I would want to talk to like Albert Einstein. I would want to know what that was like to just have a conversation with him. I read a lot of history books and I like the dynamic between the friendships of Ford and, you know, all those. Yes. First people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So tell everybody about yourself. Okay. Well, There's a lot about me. So um, in a nutshell, I used to be a chemist for over 16 years. I have grown up uh, with a lot of intuitive understanding and gifts. I could see auras, spirits, energy ever since I can remember. And um, the chemistry for 16 years was awesome. I became a financial advisor after I almost died from mercury poisoning. And um, all along the way, I also owned my own business since 2008, this business here, Magic LLC, and really helping to empower people is, is my jam. Yeah, <laughs> I love four it. kids, and I'm an Air Force mom, so ah. we're, um, we're, we, uh, we've got a really good family here, a lot of intuitive people in, in my family, so. Right, awesome, awesome. So... You weren't intuitive as a child. As you grew older, did it seem to like want away or did it intensify for you? It, uh, it intensified after the near death experience. Like it amplified so much. 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it always was there through through the period. There was a, a few things that I did kind of stifle for a while because of um, my upbringing and situational pieces that kind of like forced me to like stop doing certain things like astral projection and, and things like that, that um, I ended up having a lot of anxiety around it because every time that I laid down, my mom would come in and, and be like, what are you doing? Because she found a note. So if I was projecting, I would snap back and my whole central nervous system would be tweaked out. And if I wasn't, and I was just relaxing, I, my central nervous system would get tweaked out because, you know, I'd be startled awake. So it kind of created a, a response that every time that I got close to that, I would get some massive anxiety, but. Right, right. So was this, that. yeah, was this something that you just knew you were capable of? It was, it happened when I was really, really young. And um, so I think I remember it happening since I was five. And then up until I, when I hit my um, early teens, it, I could control it really good. So I could come out in five minutes if I wanted mm -hmm. to. But um, it was also during my teens that, you know, my mom found a note that I was back and forth with a friend talking about it. And because I had to figure everything out on my own. Right. I didn't have anything. I mean, we had bookstores back then. So I would go to the bookstore and see how much I could read at the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we didn't have the, we didn't have Google. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that had to be really confusing because it's already confusing to grow up, right? But mm -hmm. you have a gift. Did you know that you were different from other kids or were you unaware that you were different? Uh, there were parts of me that were unaware. There were parts of me that were aware. I, I did know that I was different. Um, probably around when I was seven, I was in church and my, my mom had asked, um, well, I had asked my mom about the priest and, um, I had said, how come father so-and-so is green today? He's always purple because everybody else's has changed, but his always stayed the same because he was always in that meditative state. He was a really good priest. And when he was green, I had asked my mom. And so she started asking me a bunch of questions around, you know, you see color around people and, you know, what do you see around this person and this and this and this and this. And it got to the point where I was like, oh, okay, not everybody sees this. And I had asked her, don't you see it? And she said, um, well, if I look closely, I can just kind of see like a little layer around people's heads. And I was like, oh no, there's so much more than that. And Fast forward to adult years, looking back at what happened when I know why he turned green. Um, it was because he was about to change parishes. He was assigned a different parish and he hadn't told the parish yet. And I remember that shortly after he was gone and um, oh. it was it was the green of transformation and change. It's really oh, wow. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful. Can you explain to people who might not know what a near-death experience is? Ooh, near-death experience. There's actually um, a couple of different ways that you can get surveyed with, you know, to be categorized as a near-death experience. 
but um, there's a whole bunch of things, the check boxes that you have to check. However, um, there's a, a point where you are at a near death. There's a near death type situation happening, whether you actually die or whether you come close to it, it triggers something to happen in which is can be very profound. There can be a shared near death experience or just you involved in that where you might see your body, you may not see your body, um, but usually time slows down. There's a whole bunch of different things. Um, mm -hmm. If I go through everything, it, it might be crazy, but basically reality kind of shifts into, morphs into something slow motion or mm -hmm. speeds up. So it's it's one or the other. Okay. Um, and it was a super slow motion. Um, and, and you can see all these details. Um, Typically there's a presence there. And a lot of times you feel that divine love vibration. So mm -hmm. there, and there's usually something profound that happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about your near death experience? I could talk about my near death experience. Um, it was a crazy day back in 2006. It was March 3rd and I was late in getting out of work. I worked in Cambridge, Massachusetts as a chemist. And when I left work, there was a lot of traffic on the Mass Pike because um, at that time it was pretty much the height of rush hour traffic. And I ended up, um, we were going probably about 30 miles an hour and I'll kind of like, I'll do maybe a shorter version of it than all the, the details, but um, there was something that was happening off in the ditch. There was a car that was smoking. So everybody was kind of slowed down looking at this, um, whatever situation was happening over there. And then my attention just kind of um, got pivoted to the other side of the highway and everything slowed down and it just literally went right. just it was like a frame by frame and i'm looking over there so in my head everything is happening super fast but all around me everything is happening super slow and this woman i saw her 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 driver's side door was pushed in and she was swaying like this, you know, just swaying back and forth with her head forward. And she had this beautiful uh, black curly hair. And I could see where all the light was shimmering on her hair and looking like this golden kind of color or whatever. And I just remembered like admiring that for a split second and then saying, well, how come her car door is smashed in and who hit her car and where is that car now? And, you know, just seeing where everything was relative to each other and the Jersey barriers. And then it was like my head got, got pushed up and looking out of my windshield at this guy in his car about to land on my car right in my lap. And <laughs> his face was completely contorted because he was screaming and our eyes kind of met for a second. And in that portion of a second, I saw he's landing 
in my lap, like where my steering wheel is. And his car is going to go over my car, push the roof of my car onto my head, snap my neck, and I was going to die. And so I, I crunched down, like I screamed and I crunched down as, as low as I could get my head because I thought that my car was just getting crunched in. And in that moment, I went into this space where I saw all of um, all of my children. I had a whole conversation with all of my kids and everybody that was really, really close to me and basically said my goodbyes. And then when that was done, I said, okay, I'm ready. And then everything went black. And then I was projected forward through this tunnel. Um, like it felt like I was the pinball in a pinball machine shooting down that tunnel went before it gets out into the game. And when I came to, it was like when you hold somebody's head underwater, like if you were somebody mm-hmm. held your head underwater and, and until you, the last point where you just, you had to take a breath in and then pulled you up. And it was like that gasp, like, <laughs> and I came to, and I'm white knuckling my, <laughs> my, my steering wheel and breathing and just looking in my rear view mirror saying, oh my God, I almost just died. And then I was like, oh my God, I should have been dead. And then, and then I'm looking at the road saying, oh my God, am I dead? Because there was no cars on the highway. And I was not in the same place at all. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking and looking, there's no cars in front. There's no cars behind me. There's no cars on the other side. And then all of a sudden this one lone car comes squiggling up the street and I was like, oh God, I'm dead. And I don't know which side of the highway I'm on to heaven or to hell right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's kind of a funny joke in the, in the moment, but not. <laughs> right. And, um, and basically I called my mom at that point and when I talked to my mom, she answered the phone and was like, oh my God, Nikki, I was just praying for you. Like, I don't know why, but I usually just pray for you in the morning and protection and this and that. And she's going on a mile a minute. And I'm like, mom, 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 <laughs> can you be quiet right now? And, and she's like, are you okay? And I said, am I dead? And she's like, what are you talking about? Are you dead? You know, you're talking to me on the phone right now. And it was just crazy because there's no way that I was in high rush hour traffic, no matter what part of the mass pike I was on, because I was still on the part that was, you know, heading home. It was two and a half miles away from where that thing took place because I, I recognized where I was. And then I, I mapped it out on another day home from work and said, well, how far away is that? And it was two and a half miles away. Um, the funny thing of it is before all that happened, I was really, um, I, I had postpartum depression after having a child and then, um, so that was my third child and that depression just kind of got worse and I didn't realize it. So when you're in it, you don't always notice it because mm-hmm. until you know, it's over, mm-hmm. right? So I had this obsession with death 
and wanting to die. So every minute of the day, if I saw some kind of crazy opportunity or if I con could conjure something up in my head, I would have this fantasy about how I could die in that moment. Or if I did this, I could do that, do this. And my mantra to get through it was, you know, obviously my kids need me. So just hold on a little longer was the mantra. So that's all I would say all day long. I'd have the fantasy and then I'd say, but just hold on a little longer. Right. And then when this happened, that, that sensation of love just like flooded my body. And when I came back, it was like, there was definitely a presence in that tunnel and just like like a guardian spirit around through the whole process it felt like because the whole time it was like I was guided to look in certain things and and see different things and then have these conversations and you know be okay and I was talking to somebody when I said okay I'm ready like mm -hmm. okay I'm ready. like take me where mm -hmm. I'm going and when I came back um everything just seemed so different. I felt different. Things were different. Memories mm -hmm. were completely different. Um, memories between what my kids and husband remembered and what I remembered completely different for things that my kids would say, Hey mom, remember, remember this? And I'm like, well, I don't remember any of that. Or, or they'd say something and I'm like, that's not how I remember it at all that's not how it went down. And right. they were getting like really frustrated with me because I could see it. They were getting sad and frustrated and like weird about things because I didn't remember. So I ended up having to like play a game and just be like, Oh, well, what did you remember about it? And, you know, try to see if it matched my thing and then just comment on things that were overlapping or, you know, making, making something up a little bit yeah not have them help, right so to help listeners understand you leave work late you get on the mass pike you essentially do not actually physically get into this car accident right right but you have this very physical memory you are very present in it. You are actually living it. And then you are 2.5 miles up the road, completely changed. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And at the, and I loved life from that point forward. Like I came home and I grabbed my kids and, you know, my wow. husband at the time was like, oh, you're exaggerating and like this and that. And I'm like, if you know me, I am the person who I was going to say, did anyone think when you were saying this to them, like you want to confide in your mom or your husband? Did they think you were crazy a uh, little bit or did they go? Well, my mom said, she's like, oh, you rode angel wings, right? And I'm like, well, I rode something. I'm like, seemed like a wormhole to me, but angel wings, I'll take that too, whatever. <laughs> whatever it was. It well, it's was. definitely better than the alternative that you were thinking about. Right? It's like, yeah. Um, but uh, there's so many things that came together afterwards. Right. So many things that were amplified after and and my my thoughts around it now are uh, i went through this whole phase of you know i learned about walk-ins and all that stuff and it seemed very close 
it seemed so I thought it was that for a while but things there were certain things that didn't make any sense mm -hmm. if you think about a walk-in experience and so for people who don't know what a walk-in is would you mind just yeah explaining so how people explain that is more along the lines of your your soul exchanges with another higher evolved soul and you know you have a contract or whatever that at some point there's a situation like this that happens and one soul exits the other one kind of comes in it's it seems a little like if you take one perspective on it, it seems a little body snatcher uh, in a way um which kind of also explains uh, a little bit of that feeling of how things shift you feel very different in this body um your relationships seem a little bit uh odd off strange um but what i really think happens is um there's a reality that that did happen i died in that other reality that the guy landed there squished my head i the next snap real dead. memory i'm dead mm -hmm. and then projected into a different reality because you know your soul's leaving that place and yet guess what if we're living in all these different realities or dimensions then what happens with your soul if it's been divided into all these dimensions mm -hmm. you just pop into another one mm -hmm. ride that one out that's how i'm taking it um, because there's so much stuff that made way more sense looking at it as a quantum jump into another dimension. And I think, um, I'm going to say like whatever kind of rules there might be around that. I think that you can't jump into something that is completely different because you'll shock the, the system memory. Yeah. So you have to enter in one that's very similar but has its own differences, which is why the different memories between kids and, and husband, um, things in the house that were there or weren't there and are or are not now, um, mm -hmm. or placed in a different location in the house, uh, things like that did happen. Mm -hmm. um, what else? just so many different things and the amplification of the the spiritual gifts were just phenomenal mm -hmm. i would have these massive visions every day of different things that would happen or i just knew things or um there was this insane need to learn about certain things or you know do these meditations or um work with crystal energy and and healing and i could see things in people in their torsion field and and then like i could see through past lives and energy and and things that were affecting from past lives into this life to to heal through with mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. do so. you think that that type of experience like you experienced can explain for people that deja vu that they may feel sometimes? Um, it could be deja vu. Uh, I feel like when I experienced- I remember being a little kid 
sitting in a classroom, third grade, they were talking about missile crisis. It was the Cold War. And I remember thinking, I don't care about any of this because I already know it. How, at third grade, you know what I mean? Like, I already know I don't need to pay attention right now. Yeah. I can and, just coast until I get older. Right. Because you have some knowledge about something from, you know, whatever other dimensional connection that you have or a spiritual connection that you have. Right. 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 I always wondered about that. So do you feel that that's, that can kind of explain some of that if someone has that intense of a, a feeling like that? Yeah. I think that maybe that is some kind of, um, could be a connection with another dimensional aspect where you're kind of maybe doing the same thing at the same time because it's an overlay. Mm -hmm. um, so it's almost like you see it twice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Because we have you ever played so out of deja vu where you're like, oh, I'm supposed to do, I used to do this when I was a kid. I'd see how long the deja vu would last out and I'd be like, oh, I'm supposed to do this and now I'm going to walk over here and then I'm supposed to pick this up. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think mine was that, that, that like intense, but yeah, I remember being like, am I a weird kid? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but my mother was very open to things like, you know, spiritual world and things like that. And when my grandmother died, I was at the funeral and my mother was looking at her mother and her mother was there and they were crying. They were upset. I was five. I remember being pulled off into a corner and sitting on this man's lap and him saying, you know, your grandma's going to be in heaven and like giving me the explanation because my grandma really meant a lot to me at that time. And I remember him giving me a piece of candy. I remember this man. And I told my mom who it was and she goes, he had died before you were ever born. There's no way he was there. Yeah. But then she's like, you know what? Little kids, who knows that you're more open at that time. And so that's why I ask, do you think that over time that it had wand before that experience? So let's talk about how everything that you were able, your abilities that you had, how they intensified after. Yeah, they definitely intensified after where um, I've always had like dreams and visions and stuff like that, but they, they were constant. So it was like every day there was something. So I had journals and journals and journals and journals of stuff that, um, I don't know, probably good reads if you go back because things would happen. And some of the, the visions, they were, you know, two to 10 years out that I still have things that are happening that I'm like, oh my God, I saw this way back then. Mm -hmm. and, and I always wondered how that would play out. And then I see all the things that led up to this particular thing playing out. Um, healing stuff. I, I came back and I had like, I, I started doing a lot of healing energy work because I could see things in people. And I'm like, I just need to touch somebody. Right. <laughs> so like, Can I touch you? Um, and it was just this thing that I knew and I could see something. It was a, it's static. It, it gets staticky or like a smoky. And when I see something in there, um, I could, I would go up to somebody 
I started with some of my friends because I'm like, I just need to try something because I was curious really is what actually happens before I go touching some stranger on the street somewhere <laughs> like excuse me sir I've noticed that your hips are way out of whack and so I actually I had I had some people that were that would volunteer for me to just I'm like just tell me what you feel and I would just go to areas of their body that they had ailments with uh, or headaches or things that were bothering them or pains. And time after time, it was, how do you know where that was? How did you know that that's where my pain was? How did you know? I'm like, I, I just know. It's like, I just I know. know. I just right. know. Right. Um, and then I had one of my friends, um, I did like a full body healing session with her. And when I, I went and I had touched her feet and she just, she shot up and she was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, what did I do? Did I hurt you? Like, what did I do? And she goes, no, I had to look because the amount of stuff that came flying out of my feet, I, I thought that you were getting thrown across the room and slammed against the wall. Wow. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that's good, right? It's <laughs> like, yeah, I feel fantastic. Um, and she had like fibromyalgia stuff that was that was going on. But it's just, yeah, I just see things. So I take care of them. Yeah. <laughs> so in your journey with this, has anyone ever said to you like, this is sacrilegious or, <laughs> you know, this is the devil's work? You know, you know. Oh, yeah, that was my my family. Okay. Can we, can, may we talk a little bit without, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't have any fears around that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like when people, when you started to kind of share like your new gifts and the things you were able to do and what you were pursuing, how did people take that? Okay. So first I have to go back to my childhood before any of that happened yeah. because I already had these gifts uh, that nobody knew what to do with. Right. And, um, it felt very outcast. Um, I was the embarrassment of the family. Um, my, my mom actually had tried to exercise me twice that I remember. Um, once when I was younger, once when I was a teenager and, <laughs> The teenager one was kind of like, oh, she wants an exorcism. I'll give her a show. So, my <laughs> rebellious teen years. Um, well, that's Nicole thing too, you know, <laughs> that rebellion. <laughs> oh, I'll give you what you're looking for. <laughs> um, there was, uh, at one point, there was an intervention um, about my... Uh, evil ways. Right. Uh, and that I must be, uh, channeling the devil or something because, you know, you don't draw this good and you don't do this, this good. And like, what is this music? And just, um, you know, a lot of things got thrown in the fire that night. We'll just say, and, uh, it was very, very demeaning and demoralizing traumatic and it was very traumatic yeah um, 
I can I can remember that scene like it was yesterday with everybody there um, and the shame game was on full blast and it was like okay and I just took it because that's all that I could do I had come home my entire room was ransacked it was turned upside down it was like it was like something out of a movie where everything was gone through wow um, what were they looking for they were actually the great. black magic book <laughs> they were looking for a book on astral projection because i had actually bought one and in that note that i was talking about i mentioned well i bought a book because i needed to know what happened like yeah. what happens because when i was mm, maybe like eight nine ten i described it like it was a tornado that sucked me out of my body because there was the whirring and the sound and the vibration and and then it was like now i'm like spinning out right. and because of that like the only way that i could describe it was this tornado comes and sucks me out of my body <laughs> right right As a little kid you, you only describe things with you know things however you can really yeah work. yeah absolutely so um so that was kind of that beforehand uh so there's that where it was very um uh it was very interesting and i had to keep my mouth shut and not talk about things so i internalized a lot um which also amplified my gifts even more because i i had to be quiet and i all i had was watching people so i would analyze situations so with the auras that mm -hmm. kind of became my um my superpower was i could I knew what people were going to say before they said it. I could see where certain things were. So I I could see colors, shapes, um, geometric forms, um, thought forms. Uh, I could see spiritual connections. I could see uh, I could see pedophilia. I could see a lot of different things. Oh, that's got to be scary in itself if, if, if we're just being real. Like now you're a young girl and you're seeing all this stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it. So a lot of it was I had to figure out what each thing meant. So I had to see things enough to be able to put them together. So through my life, I really got good at understanding what was happening around somebody and, you know, what was affecting them too outside of themselves. And sometimes it like there's a lot with people where the people around them affect them mm -hmm. so profoundly that they don't even know who they are and, mm -hmm. so there, and there's there's a certain look with that too mm -hmm. so there's different looks and feels and vibrations there there's certain types of people that if they are standing behind me i can feel it so intensely that i can pinpoint where they are it doesn't matter how big the room is i can pinpoint exactly to them in that room before i turn around so when i turn around i see that one person right right wow yeah do you uh, ever get a feeling like get the hell away from me from people oh yeah there's that mm -hmm. um, which is really important for empaths out there that when you feel sensations like that 
that you feel through the auric field and not in your actual body. Because when you take all the, all the stuff on, you then have to process through it like it's your own because you've accepted it into your body. Oh. So I just want to toss that out there because there's, yeah. there's a bunch of people out there. Um, and also there's definitely somebody out there that's having um, some heart opening issues with this like they want to close they like they something i said triggered them and their heart wants to close up on it because they've had some kind of experience well and i just say just open back up because there's a healing for you right now with that because whatever the situation is has to do with somebody else and nothing was your fault and you did exactly what you needed to do in the situation so you're good whatever that means <laughs> whatever that I means get, i get sensations and just enough to understand what i need to say so that you know what i'm talking about and i don't have to know all of the details because i'm good with all of the details sometimes i get details and bleh. <laughs> what was the question that i asked because i think we went off on it yeah so it was kind of like that um what what about your family like what was going yeah. on there and how they were treating you yeah. so there was that on the on the younger side and then after all this happened um everything amplified so quickly and everything has been so exponential in my life that i got into the the place where i just I was an adult now and I get to choose. And I really understood that this is my life. It's my journey. And you have your chance to live yours and you have your chance to make your decisions and you have no right to control mine, no matter mm -hmm. what. So you can think whatever you want. Um, I, I got a lot of, um, I need to go back to church kind of stuff or mm -hmm. I slid in Christian and you know, you're this, you're that. And, you know, you're going to go to hell and it's my responsibility to show you how to get to heaven. And you know what, if that's what you believe, then fine. I've seen things and I know things from the other side and I don't have to explain them to you. I don't need to convince you of anything. You have every right and free will to choose whatever it is that you wish to believe. Mm -hmm. So you can say that you have the responsibility, but you really don't so because you can, according to your religion, you can go ahead and say your piece to me and then please be respectful of my own free will because I also get to choose. And that frees you up from being responsible for me and my soul. So that being said, it, it was this whole thing of, you know, I, I had this whole thing that happened with my mom around me really coming out into the public with my aura photography, my aura readings, my aura graphs, whatever, and, and giving those to people and doing that as work because, you know, that was all of a sudden very you're outing it. You're, you're publicizing your gift. It's embarrassing, right? Yeah. For, you for know, those who don't understand for the, it's very embarrassing for, for, um, you know, somebody, to have the daughter who is the black sheep who's running around being, you know, 
quote unquote, satanic or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't believe that at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm the nicest, yeah. whatever, meanest person you know then because if you're going to categorize me as some mean nasty like demonic thing yeah, that's not- what a lot of people do they criticize and they you know how before we get into like your photography and stuff how did you get past the mental health struggle that comes with being attacked and intervened on and limited yeah, I um well I definitely had a lot of shame around things, so I definitely had to work through all that. Um doing what I do now for other people was basically I had to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. I had to figure it out. So it took me I started the work on myself when I was about 12 years old. So it it's been been very incremental when I was a a kid growing up into a young adult and then um through that process the amplification after the near-death experience definitely did some things um but the i had very divine connection growing up so i would go into my own little zones that were very um cosmic and um, receiving messages of, you know, cause I would, I would get really upset. I would get really, um, sad and, um, beaten down feeling, you know, just being in that space of, you know, feeling worthless and mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And I would just get these messages from my friends above and they were very uplifting and like, like the great work that I'll be doing and, you know, the impacts that I will make and, and all of this stuff that I was like, okay, whatever, who am I? (laughs) But there was also something that kind of like seeded hope and faith within myself. So, you know, I used to ask, why these people, why am I stuck with these people? And I, I knew from a very young age that it was these were the lessons that I needed to learn in order to help the people that I will be helping so yeah it made it a, a lot easier yeah yeah <laughs> so do you believe that you're with the right parents and the right family for your for you and your work yeah i i think that everything just everything plays out and there are reasons for it that we will never know and reasons for it that we will recognize realize and I look back at things and be like wow that that stupid thing was actually really profound right right because those simple things it's a lot of times the simple things that you know make us go the distance in business in our lives it's those little tiny things yes that make those big changes and all the stuff like I, I have these conversations with some people that the stuff where it feels like your entire life is being turned upside down. And I've been through, I've been through those spaces several times. And it's like, every time it happens, you're, you're in the space going, 
oh, here we go again. Like, what the frick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but at the same time, each time it happens, you know, there's, you've learned some things and it's like, okay, I know what this is all about. So where's my lesson? Where's my opportunity? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? It actually gets kind of exciting because all the foundation that's not supporting you is getting stripped away. And Mm -hmm. it may seem like I've said it before that like, it feels like my heart is being juiced and then I'm forced to drink it, you know, like Mm -hmm. that. And it it turns out to be some of the most beautiful things that could happen to you. Mm -hmm. And you you can't say that until you're on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. It, Mm -hmm. Because it really feels nasty when you're going through it right when when you also understand that there's oh you when you understand that there's a bigger picture to this and um it really becomes so easy to go through it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound like this and somebody is out there like going oh my god this chick is just full of it but it's it's true Mm-hmm. when you start going through it and I can look back at different phases where I, you know, you go through this victim mode and can't get out of the victim and like, why me? And then finally, if you learn that lesson, anyway, you move into a different space. If it happens again, your foundation gets rocked again. All it is, is leveling up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could lose all your friends, big deal. You can make new friends Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, because that's what you knew and that's who you hung around with. But then when you make those new friends and you're going, this group is way better than anybody I hung around with before and all the BS that they, you know, created and I allowed to happen in my life. And then you get to that space and then it's like, and then something else happens and stuff gets stripped away. All it is, is it's a growth cycle. Mm Mm-hmm grow plants to eat them, they die, you grow more. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. garden of life, people. What mm-hmm. are you selling? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to have a big circle of friends. The mm-hmm. smaller circle for me is, I prefer that. It's less, it's less you know, dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep them few and great. <laughs> so, in all that, do you feel that the reason that the thought process you have and that I, I'm on board with it, is it because we are more conscious and understanding because we're more open? Is it because people are so closed off to accept a new idea that they cannot even perceive this it's like oh it's evil i don't even want to look into it because when you look into it there's no evil there well there okay there's so much to that uh, okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's quite the conversations with it's Coley. actually pretty exciting and i like i I feel like I wish I had like five or six mouths to just say like all five or six things at the same time, because that's what's happening in my head right now. The human condition is we want to always be right. Mm-hmm. Um, part of our fears are the fear of the unknown. We don't know because we don't, we can't control what we don't know. And if you put those two things together, 
if we venture into being open about hearing something that we don't know about and we find that it completely disrupts everything that we thought about our lives, nothing you know about your life is right, is how you think about it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's crazy. That's that's to be feared because Mm -hmm. then what? Mm-hmm. It, um, some of the leveling ups feel very much like this existential crisis and there are places that you go where it's like oh my god this just disrupted everything that I thought about this and it's gonna happen and it's mm-hmm. okay and it's actually pretty exciting and when you can recognize that this is what's happening is your your mind is being reprogrammed to understand at a greater, more complex level. Mm -hmm. Um, This is why it's really important to understand yourself. So it's always depths of the self. It isn't projecting out to everyone else. It isn't about this Nicole saying, oh, no, that's that Nicole's stuff (laughs) now, because guess what, Nicole, your stuff that you're presenting to me right now is my stuff too, Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it comes in the form of it could be the same exact thing, or it can be the complete opposite and opposites are exactly the same. They're just a different degree. So guess what? Mirror image or same image, same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a matter of just really understanding yourself, and if we don't know that, and we don't we're not accepting to accept something new, that we might be wrong. I'm dating myself with the bonds. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and think about this. Now it doesn't just it just doesn't go for this. This goes for anything you're stuck in a cycle with. If you're stuck in a cycle of domestic violence, you're afraid to step outside because that that is the unknown. The unknown is out there. So when you're taken to a near-death experience, that's the reset button, in my opinion. That's the way I took it because I also had my life almost ended. I had the whole thought process of, oh, I'm dying on this day. Does that mean I'm going to heaven? What's going to happen to my kids? Lights are out. Lights are back on. I get a second chance. And in that second chance, I get to think differently this time because before I was thinking those limiting thoughts that society was telling me I should be thinking like a good human, right? And I was stuck in these situations and in these relationships that I was afraid to get out of. But once that happened, that fear went away. And I said, my mind needs to be open and accepting what's coming at me and analyzing it as a lesson. Mm, Yeah. So that kind of triggered something in my head about um, being in relationships, right? Being in toxic relationships, abuse or not abuse. Um, when we're in relationships that aren't fully aligned, you're going to have people around you that are like, why are you in this? Mm -hmm. Right. And you're going to be in it for whatever reason you're in it because it's your limiting beliefs that are creating whatever situation that you have. Right. That's a negative part of it. Now, when people are saying, why are you still in this? Either you're not ready or you are ready, but you're not quite ready 
and fully lesson learned yet, right? So for example, I committed to working on something within myself, right? I was in a relationship that wasn't fully aligned anymore, right? Mm -hmm. It may have been aligned for a period of time and maybe played out its purpose. Mm -hmm. And now was showing me things that um, needed to come to the surface for me to advance in my own growth. Mm -hmm. So they didn't feel good <laughs> at all. <laughs> so it kept coming up and coming up and coming up. And, you know, there was with each iteration of, of the, this negativity that was coming up and rising up to the surface, it was okay well, what's coming up now? And I'd work through the stuff. I work through and learn the lesson, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, but there's something else, but there's something else. And I could have walked away from the relationship earlier, but I chose to stay in that space while I worked on things, knowing that if I severed the relationship there, I was just going to attract another one. Right. So I'd have to go through it all over again. I'm like, I'm not wasting this time. <laughs> yeah. I'm wasting the time to get to that place because I've got it right here in my face. So I'm choosing to do the work versus ignoring it and just playing out the pattern over and over again. So, mm -hmm. but I did still have people that were like, Nicole, why are you doing this? And blah, 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 blah. And like, get out and do this and telling me what they you know, what they believe to be true and right and you happy and safe and your best interests. They're right. And I understand that. And at the same time, again, I don't need to convince any of anybody of anything. I don't need to explain myself. And it's just, I'm doing this because I I'm going to be where I need to be for as long as I need to be there until I'm ready to not be there anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Mm -hmm. So I worked through all the stuff and then guess what happens? Hmm. somebody enters in and when you do the work all those negative check boxes go away and the inverse check boxes show up nice and it's just it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. exactly exactly <laughs> so and that's exactly what your gift is like you are able to see things and have an understanding and move accordingly whether people understand it or not yeah so talk about some of the people that you've helped and how you've helped them okay so i'll preface it with this because everything in your life I, I, you'll hear me say this over and over and over again. A relationship is a relationship is a relationship. And that relationship with yourself, your, your health, your finances, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your lovers, um, all of these things, it's all a relationship. So wherever you're feeling the pain the most is where your belief is bringing you, okay? So for example, um, most people feel it in the three places the most with their health, 
their love and their finances. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things that people are looking for help with health, love, finances. That's it. In those relationships, they're all the same. It just depends for you, you know, what flavor it is that's playing out in your life. Um, I, I have people come to me sometimes. Um, so this is where I like those people come into play, right? People come to me for um, defining what they really want in their career. You know, I want to, I want to do something. I want to make an impact. I want to be of service, whatever that is. I might want to leave corporate or I want to be a better salesperson. Those people come to me. And then um, an example of how it ripple affects a relationship is a relationship. We take care of the things that are hitting hard where it's painful for you. And then all of a sudden, guess what? It ripple affects in all the other areas too. So those all amplify and get better as well. I got a text from a client that said, uh, I know that we were defining what I really want in my life and according to my career, but uh, is my sex life supposed to get way better with my sex life? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and yeah. I, uh, I'm like, well, I'll say it again. A relationship is a relationship is a relationship. So guess what? You took care of the stuff on one end and then you get a bonus on the other. So you're welcome. (laughs) And, you know, so there's that when people come to their health stuff, it's more of that relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. What is it that, you know, where where have you not been supporting yourself? So there's that too. And then the finance piece, uh, I talk a lot about money, um, money personalities, uh, how to manifest. And, you know, there is, there's a strategic process that you go through to, to shift some things in your mind that to create your checkboxes of what it is that you want to create. So you have to know what you want in order to go ahead and manifest it. So if you go and take a manifestation class and you don't know what the heck you want, guess what? You're just going to get more of whatever the heck is coming your way. Exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Can I just say, because I wholeheartedly believe in manifestations. I used to be as a little kid manifest. They called it daydreaming. I called it something. I didn't call it daydreaming because I was like, I'm not dreaming. Do you know what I mean? In my mind, I was seeing. Yeah, it was envisioning. And so it wasn't to me, it wasn't dreaming because dreaming is something you do unconsciously and it's maybe not real. Right. But you get people that are like, hashtag manifest it. They think it's like making three wishes to this invisible genie and it's just going to happen for them. Can you maybe kind of give us a definition of what manifesting really means (laughs) for those people who might say silly things like, oh, yeah, just go manifest it. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Manifest to manifest something. um, There's a lot of components that come into play. And your belief system is one, huge, because you're not going to manifest past what you believe. Mm-hmm. Not. So get right with this thing. <laughs> and um, there's also, there's a feeling component. So if you're dissociating from your feelings and you don't know how to feel your feelings, guess what? You're not going to manifest. There's an experiential portion of this and to be able to focus and by focus it doesn't mean like concentrate in a certain way it's being able to clear the mind and be in this 
voidance space where you can still think, but you are devoid of thought. It's kind mm -hmm. of a weird thing. Mm -hmm. And I call it opening the window of miracles because there's a very specific space that you go into, um, this quantum realm. And that's when you drop in your, your wishes to the genie that's invisible. And you got to do it in a certain way because the vibrations got to be aligned with what it is that you're trying to do. And a lot of people don't know how to word things either. So if you take all these things into play, it doesn't happen because there's something that's off. Mm -hmm. So you got to get these things into the right space. And that, that's why I do things from multifaceted and show people how to hone in on it because I create something that gives you the experience. So you have like a mini burst of it. And then once you experience that, you can't forget it. It's like having a near-death experience. Once you have that experience, you don't forget what you learned in that. Mm -hmm. So it's always there. And the other part of that whole manifesting is a lot of people think that affirmations are manifest manifesting, um, positivity i think right and yeah. the thing is is i say you know your affirmations suck because your beliefs suck because <laughs> an affirmation is not meant to like create something new an affirmation is supposed to support a belief that you already have so if you have a really crappy belief and then you're like, hey, I'm in a toxic positive this belief because with this affirmation, that's like, oh my God, I, I am so worthy and deserving of love, right? When you think I'm a horrible, vile, vile person, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. they believe that they are a horrible, vile person. And I'm like, okay, so we're not going to be using like, oh, I'm so full of love and, and I receive love so much. On our wall and that's going to make it right and real. Right. All it does is say, oh, you read that and your belief goes, and that's why you are not any of that, right? <laughs> and it just goes into this space of just reaffirming, yep, see, and you're wrong. So all you do is amplify that. So if you don't believe it, people stop saying it. Thank you, Nicole, because truly I think these things, but sometimes I'm like, I don't have a right to think that. <laughs> so you just help me there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for then, then just call up the other Nicole. Cause I'll just spew it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause it's so true. I mean, honestly, affirmations hit you if you have it in your belief system it's supposed to help you along it's not going to help you get to a belief system right which is when why i help people change the belief and then you have your affirmation that goes right <laughs> i love it so now that you've done all this good work has that changed some of your friends and family's minds about your gifts yes yay <laughs> I was hoping there was a good, there was some good coming out. Yeah, actually, there's, a, there's actually a really cool story about astral projection and my dad, COVID and strokes. <laughs> oh, can, do you want to share a little like version? We have a couple of minutes. Yes, please. Yeah. I'll give the little condensed version. Okay. My dad ended up having COVID, having strokes. 
he had a stroke when he got COVID, um, ended up in, you know, the hospital in and out and all that stuff. And, and it was during that time you couldn't go see anybody and, you know, we need connection and my dad needs connection. So, you know, I, I could feel him getting, you know, down and out. So um, my mom was getting a little distraught about not being able to see him and I could feel it and feel it. And it was pressing on my heart. And I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just going to go visit dad in the night. Ah. <laughs> so I just kept doing it every night and just being sitting there going, you know, dad, and just kind of like loving on him and saying, you know, whatever it is that, you know, I'm here, we're here, we love you. We want to see you and we're here to support and just, and I would sit there and like bring him healing, give him healing energy. My dad started telling my mom that he's been seeing me, you know, somewhere between like three and 5 a.m every day right and my mom's thinking he's not so <laughs> and I'm like totally bananas and so then my sister I get a call from my sister who actually you know accused me of being demonic that's a whole other story right. but she called me up one day and she's like all right because we were we were finally getting to be able to be scheduled for some stuff to see my dad and she's like hey mom thinks dad's crazy <laughs> okay <laughs> and then she's like but no he keeps saying that he's seeing you visiting him and I kind of thought maybe you know you were doing something like you used to do when you were a kid when you could like buy locate or something <laughs> I just went, I'm like okay <laughs> and she's like are you doing that and I'm like maybe yeah. <laughs> I love it I'm like it's quite possible yes I am <laughs> and, yeah. and so I was like okay so what's happening so my mom was afraid that I was going to go out there and you know get attacked and die and all this stuff whatever because she was fearful about it because she doesn't know but it saved my dad yeah yeah you know what he said because my sister said this this is the this is the best part of the story so it, he said oh well can you just give nikki a message for me tell her that i can't sleep with all the nurses out there making so much noise so can she do something about that <laughs> so i was like all right message received and i did so and then it was like a couple days later um Actually, the next day that I did it, I went to go see my dad. So my mom was able to take me. And I'm like, hey, dad, it's nice to see you, you know, in the flesh. And he starts laughing and he's like, yeah, in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I said, how'd you sleep last night, dad? And he, he said, actually, good. I slept good. I said, yeah, I got your message. I took care of it. And he goes, yeah, I noticed. And my mother perked up and she's like, what, what are you talking about? What happened? And, and I said, hey, dad, why don't you tell her what happened? And I, and I said, I, I talked to those nurses and one went over and did what? And he goes, she closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. So COVID wasn't stopping you from seeing your family members. No, definitely not. I love that. See, well, if that story doesn't help convince some people. So did, 
did you ever get to have a conversation with your family since then? Like, hey, Nicole, we're really sorry that we were so rough on you. Or do we just kind of. I don't expect any of that. But, yeah. um, you know, I do. Uh, me and my mom had a conversation around like the whole astral projection thing. And, you know, she can believe whatever she chooses to believe. And, you know, there's, she said, I want you to stop doing that. And I said, no, I'm not going to stop doing that because you know what? It saved dad. Yeah. And had I done that, like, there's just, there's people that I'm connected with that I'm able to deliver messages, healing, whatever to in that fashion. So mm -hmm. it's just part of who I am and you can either accept it or not accept it. And that's okay. I'm okay with whether you accept me or not. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'm and here to her because I remember I knew a woman who would come see her brother and her brother was dating my mom for a long time. She used to talk about being able to leave her body and they would have conversations around like, what if, she wasn't able to get back in her body. And she had talked about like something about getting back in your body. I don't know. I was a little kid, so I don't remember, but maybe she has a fear. Like you're going to leave your body and then something's going to happen where you can't get back in it. And then she'll lose her daughter. Yeah. I think there are some people, cause even uh, biblically it, it's a, it talks about the silver cord, right? there's a cord that tethers you to your body. And if that cord is severed, then you're dead, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's because my mom had, that's how my mom brought it up to me was the biblical passage about it. And I'm like, yeah, I know about that. And, and it's, it's not something that it's, you know, that some spirit has a spirit sword and severs your spirit your spirit cord and then you're dead there's right. not that i mean there there can be uh there can be hell realms that you can traverse but at the same time like i've been there done that too so it doesn't matter it's there's hell realms i i just look at as these are your fears that are within you to be released that if you take note of that and then you work on releasing that stuff, those go away. Mm -hmm. And you actually become um, much lighter, stronger uh, in your spirituality. Mm. So to me, hey, if you're experiencing hell realm, then do the work. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I could talk to you all day, I think. <laughs> do you, so where can people find you? How can people connect with you? to do sessions with you? Uh, you can connect with me on magicllc.com or nicolemagic.com. Nice. And I, you have a podcast coming up, right? I do. I just launched my podcast, um, Magic and Miracles, where so we're talking about all different people's stories, anything from magic to miracles, everything in between, metaphysical, all the great inspirational, motivational stories that are going to uplift, enlighten, and help you in your journey. So um, my first one aired last night. I saw how many views you got. Congratulations. Thank you. And it's just really cool and just super excited about it because it's it's really about uplifting and elevating people. Nice. I'm going to definitely tune in because I love all of it. Um, do you have any other final things you want to share? Um, 
just everybody out there, just tap into who you are. And my whole brand is about being authentic. So just, it can be a process. So just start being authentic to yourself and everything else will happen. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a beautiful journey and you get to choose what it looks like. So it's all you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Nicole. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you finally. It was my pleasure. Such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. Of course. Thank you for spending time listening to our conversation. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, please subscribe, like, and share so we can reach more listeners with our powerful messages. And stay tuned to hear about our affiliates and recommendations. They change from episode to episode.